So we're on page 32. And from Hirsch's continuing with his, his thesis about how the creation and creator of the universe, everything has a purpose, everything has a place. One creator, everything else, everything that you know is his creation, the manifestation of this one alone. Everything is arranged by him and subordinate to him. Everything is called into being by him, existing through him, functioning through him. This world then, what is it? We are treading on hallowed ground, dear Benjamin. We live in the world of God. This is a very, very important idea, right? This is an idea which is, uh, once again, another one of these fundamental ideas of Judaism and one that is subject to, to dispute again. You know, anytime we, we start delving into these kinds of issues that are very esoteric and are not necessarily discussed explicitly by the Gemara, we could find more than one opinion. As we know, there are 70 faces to the Torah, and they all could be true at the same time on some level. So what he's describing over here is, is everything in the world a part of God, or is it independent of God? Is there some extent to which we are all, every single thing, every blade of grass, us, humans, are we all, because we are the creation of God, does that mean that we are all actually part of God? Right? Does the universe, is the universe part of God or is the universe somewhat independent of God? I don't mean independent that it could exist independent of God, but it is a creation of God that is separated from God. This is a fundamental idea. It's a, in the Kabbalistic world, it's a fundamental idea. In the Litvishal world, it's a fundamental idea. It's an interesting question. So what he's describing it is if we think to ourselves that where we walk to some extent, this is the world of God. Everything around us was created by God and serves him. Every force of nature is the messenger of God. Matter is what God has apportioned to these works, to, to these forces to work with, in and through, in accordance with his mighty laws. Everything exists in God's service at its post, at its time, to fulfill God's words with the means and powers allocated to it, contributing its sheer to him, to become part of one all-inclusive entity. Everything serves God. And this is a incredibly important idea. And you know what Reverse is doing over these 19 letters or the 18 letters in the response is really trying to build up a thesis, right? So these are all part of the thesis that he's building, which is that everything serves a purpose. There is nothing that is redundant. There is nothing that's useless. He quotes some, some Psalms over here as well. He who clothes himself with light as with a garment, who spreads out the heavens as a carpet, who erects over the waters his arches, lays the clouds at his feet, who walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the storms his messengers, the flaming fire his servants. Right, very poetic. Rav Hirsch explains, gales and lightning, rain and snow, the worm curling at your feet, the grasses waving in your path, the thunder that rolls majestically and the slight refreshing breeze, all are his servants, right? There's no way to separate the creation from like, this is the world that God put into play and now this is how it developed, but it's not his servants. No, everything in this world was put here for a purpose, everything. It's a completely different perspective, right? It, it leads to a perspective as the, the famous story with Rev Hirsch goes, that when he was elderly, 
he wanted to travel to go look at the Swiss Alps. Now, this is an individual who was incredibly productive in everything that he did. He was very, very, you know, incredibly productive in, in many, many different fields, right? And someone said, you know, why now? Like, you're in your 80s. You never went before. We don't live that far away. What, what, what made you decide now that now's the time to go look at the Alps? So he said, you know, I'm going to come up to heaven. And Hashem is going to say to me, Shamshin, you lived a very productive life, but did you ever look at the Alps? Those Alps that I created for humans to appreciate, to look at how beautiful they are. Did you ever have a chance to look at them? I don't want to tell him no. So I have to go look at the Alps. Right? So th this is an idea of how everything in this world is part of the plan, right? Every interaction is part of the plan. Every moment is all part of this idea. For as the rain and the snow descend from heaven and return not thither until they have moistened the earth, and caused it to bear and yield fruit until they have given seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Thus also is my word which comes forth from my mouth and shall not return unto me empty, but it shall do that which I desire and accomplish that which I sent it for, Isaiah. Right, so what, it, what he's trying to bring from here is the idea that not only does everything in the original creation have a purpose, but that everything that's happening on an ongoing basis is happening to fulfill God's will. Servants, all of them, surrounding God's throne, right? For don't you understand it, our sages tell us? It was not with just one word, one summons of creation that the Almighty brought this world into being, the whole of it in every detail. For it if it had been created in this manner, everything would be directly dependent on God's word for its existence, life, and functioning. Instead, he called his world into existence in 10 stages. So he's quoting a, a, a Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, in Chapters of the Fathers. And what it says over there is that God created the world with 10 utterances. So he's going to explain what that means. He created an abundance of forces, intermingled and functioning closely together according to his word. And then he separated them so that each had to sustain the other. None was henceforth able to exist and function by itself, but had to be sustained by fellow creatures, and in turn had to help them exist and function. In this way, everything contributes according to its strength however much or little, to the existence of the whole. And if it destroys a fellow creature, it robs itself of what it needs for its own existence. This is a very, very powerful idea. I've discussed this previously in different classes that I've given. The idea of how Hashem created the world in one unified mass. And this is true both in the terms of the actual creation where there was one tiny little point in which God created all of the future energy and all the future mass. And it was all contained within that one tiny point. And then it exploded and then started being separated into different pieces. And it's also true on more of a micro level in terms of the creation of man and woman. Man and woman are created together and then separated and then are supposed to cleave back together. The ideas of saying that in truth, we should, there is a sense of unity and there's a unifying principle in everything that happens in this world and all of the items in this world and all of the creations of this world, there is a unifying factor. But Hashem did not create it already unified and then say, Existence continues already unified. He created unified, separated, and said you have to get back to that point in time. What that message is, maybe we'll spend a little time tomorrow discussing that, that idea of how we have to look to achieve a unity that God could have created in the world. He didn't create it. I mean, he, sorry, he did create it, but then he separated. And then he says, go back to that unity. What the idea is of that message, maybe we'll spend a little time discussing tomorrow night. Take care, everyone. Have a great night.